Welcome to Chaplain Stories, sacred stories from the front lines of ministry. My name is Chaplain Caleb McCary, and we are going to be talking to chaplains about their stories, living out their calling and ministering to military personnel. I'm so glad to have you joining us as we talk about faith, life, and ministry with our guests. Well, welcome to Chaplain Stories. I am Caleb McCary, and I am here at Marne Chapel at Fort Stewart, Georgia, with a special guest today. Uh, just by way of reminder for our listeners, any opinions, uh, stories that we tell here, uh, these are our own opinions and not the opinions or official policies of the United States Army. Well, sir, if you could, uh, tell our listeners your name, uh, your current position. Okay, I'm Chaplain Gerald Jacobs. I am the Plans and Operations Chaplain for the U.S. Army Garrison Fort Stewart and Hunter Army Airfield. Now, as I was thinking about this interview, the thought occurred to me that folks might wonder what does a Plans and Operations Chaplain for a Garrison do? I'm still wondering that, to tell you the truth. No, uh, the Plans and Operations Chaplain makes sure that where there are taskings from either the Garrison or the Division, for the Religious Support Operations Office that we have the, the proper support in place. So if they're asking for a chaplain to pray for a ceremony, I make sure that we have a chaplain identified and prepared to do that. Um, if there are any large-scale, a um, lot of moving pieces kind of operations, like um, having to do a bunch of deployment activities to push a unit out from Fort Stewart, which is a possibility, a very dim possibility, but something we're preparing for now, I'm the RSO's uh, representative at those to make sure the chaplain coverage is provided for and thought about for that kind of event. Um, I'm also project officer for several things that the Religious Support Office does. The uh, uh, fall festival Halloween alternative event, I plan and uh, make sure that gets put together. Our, um, well, we're getting ready to go into our Feds Feed Families food drive uh, in June through August, and I'm putting that piece together. I also am the project officer for uh, such things as the Easter sunrise service and um, any other special RSO events that are not done by a, one of the local congregations, one of the chapel congregations. Well, very good. I, I know when a lot of people think of, uh, of chaplains and what chaplains do, probably what comes to mind is that image of a battalion chaplain. And so it, I think it's really neat how there are so many different uh, roles out there for, for chaplains to use their gifts. Mm-hmm. Well, sir, one of the things that really jumped out at me when I first heard you mentioned as a potential uh, interview for this podcast, uh, it happened a few weeks ago at a chaplain spouse's coffee, and your wife was talking to my wife and said that you had been in the Army for a long time. <laughs> And that always piques my interest. So, when did you come into the Army, sir? The first time, January 6th, 1975. Got on a bus in Pensacola, Florida, and headed to Columbia, South Carolina for basic training. And um, served for three years as a teletype intercept operator in the Army Security Agency, which no longer exists, part of the military intelligence uh, structure of the Army. Um, and then got out to go to college and seminary. Now, uh, so college and seminary, 
Was that where you felt your calling into the chaplaincy, uh, or did that come at a later time? No, it was there. I um, just felt that pull to go to college when I um, got out, and just before I started college, I felt like God was saying, I'm doing this because I want you to serve me full time. And immediately I said, got it, I can do that, but I know you're not talking about preaching. Right, God? We're not, we're not talking preaching here. I'm, I'll, I'll serve you, but uh, you know I'm not a preacher. So I go to college um, and sense that God's calling me to go to seminary from there. And I'm thinking, now wait a minute, that's where preachers go. But, okay, maybe he wants me to do something else. Maybe he wants me to teach. Maybe he wants me to, do, to be an educator. I don't know. So I went to seminary. And my very first semester at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky... I was talking to a friend as we were walking to the um, student lounge where the student mailroom was uh, after our class, and as we turned the corner to go into that area, he started to peel off with another quick turn. I said, hey, where are you going? He said, oh, I've, I've got a job interview, a, um, talking to a National Guard recruiter. Now, what was the last time you invited yourself on somebody else's job interview? And even more shockingly, he said, sure, come on. So we go into this little room with Chaplain Major Roger Winsett from the Kentucky Army National Guard. And the longer we sat in that room, the more my friend wanted to jump out the window. We were on the second floor. He just wanted out of there. And the more convinced I was that he just, Roger just needed to put the contract on the table because I could sign it. That was The light had come on, and I knew this was what God had called and equipped me to do and why he had taken me out of the Army, what I thought, prematurely. So um, I became a chaplain candidate and um, uh, served with the 198th MP Battalion in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, that's where it all began. That was May of 83. May of 83. Mm-hmm. Long time ago. That, well, I don't know if I should tell you the year I was born. Oh, go ahead. I'm getting so used to that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was 1983. So well, yeah, so it, it was, was a very good year. But I, I, that's funny. I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize that that you had gone to Southern Seminary. Um, I, I didn't go there, but I visited there a couple of times. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's a beautiful campus there in there in Kentucky. There in, yeah. Now, were you married at the time that you were, you know, going about this, uh, the, pursuing this calling to the chaplaincy? Uh, no, I was pursuing two callings at that point. Okay. First the calling to the chaplaincy, and then the calling to Jennifer Collins. Uh, we were dating there. She was in the Master of Social Work program at Southern. And uh, in typical Army fashion with the National Guard, back in the old days, we had what was called Middle Weekend during annual training. They didn't plan any events, and we were generally released for the Middle Weekend. Annual training that year was at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, so I was planning to come back from Fort Campbell, pick up Jennifer's, no, I already had her engagement ring, and present it to her on that middle weekend. Well, I had made the tactical blunder of sitting down in a Fort Campbell barber shop and saying, I just need a light trim. And it was about what you've got, a very short haircut. <laughs> I walk into Jennifer's dorm, no recognition, has no clue who this is, standing there with a diamond ring. <laughs> Great. <laughs> she said yes, and uh, we married on um, November 2nd, 1985, but uh, 
and she supported it. She knew all along that this was what I was doing and what I felt called to do. Although she reminded me that at that time in, our, in my life, I said, I think I'd like to do that full time. I'd like to be an active duty chaplain. Uh, it didn't work out that way. Um, I didn't pursue it, and apparently my endorsing agency didn't realize that that was my goal at the time. So I just slipped into the reserve components, National Guard, and, and just tra traditional M-Day soldier, loving it. Um, in October of 2001, my Air Defense Artillery Brigade went to uh, Fort Bliss in response to the 9-11 uh, attacks. Uh, I was the senior battalion chaplain, the, the highest ranker. I was already major at that point. Uh, and our brigade chaplain had to have surgery and was not able to deploy, so I wound up going as the brigade chaplain. We spent a year at Fort Bliss doing the little dance, we're going, we're not going, we're going, we're not going. Spent an entire year there, was released from active duty and accessioned uh, and transitioned onto active duty again as a regular uh, chaplain. That was November of '02 that I came on. So technically I've been an active duty chaplain since November of '02. But um, the math worked together perfectly in, in God's timing, and I will complete 20 years of service in the month in which I turned 61 and will retire, and that is September of 2017. Well, that is fantastic. Yes, it is. I am grateful that God had a better scope, a better grasp of math than I do. Well, let me ask you this, sir, because uh, I'm always fascinated, especially with chaplains who came in from the guard because that was my background as well I, I did enlisted time in the guard chaplain candidate and was a chaplain for a few years before coming on active duty what uh, what was different for you about going from uh, the chaplaincy in the guard being a you know the doing it on the weekends and a few weeks in the summer to coming every day putting on the uniform and it, and it being your day job In some regards, really not much is different uh, because you're just dealing with soldiers and families in the middle of this thing called life. Uh, you're building witnessing relationships. You're um, there in the crisis moments. They're, you're the, the answer guy that they go to when they finally re recognize that they've got spiritual questions, that kind of thing. Um, but it, in some regards, it's easier in the guard because you tend to be in a unit for a much longer period of time. I was the 2nd Battalion, 124th Infantry chaplain for seven years. That's unheard of in the active army. Uh, you don't stay at one post seven years, much less in one unit. Um, I got to do some amazing things, some wonderful things with the Guard. But one of the things that was really different about National Guard was being called up for state emergencies. And we were called up in um, 92, August of 92, for Hurricane Andrew in uh, Miami. And the following year, or the two years following that, I can't remember which, Hurricane Opal in the Panhandle. I uh, served two summers in a row in uh, wildlife, uh, wildland fire response. Um, the first year, was, they didn't really quite have a structure, so I didn't get to do as much. But the second year, uh, I was the basically the state chaplain for that effort and in two weeks put 5,000 miles on a GSA vehicle trying to get around to all of the Florida Guardsmen 
uh, operating in, in support of fighting those fires. So it's, it is fun and exciting and very, very meaningful to serve the state in that regard, to, to serve your neighbors and friends, people you live with uh, in times of emergencies and, and challenges. There's, there are a lot of differences in the reserve components and the, Nash, and the uh, active duty army, but um, in terms of ministry, each is unique, but both are just filled with opportunities for uh, being there for soldiers and for uh, being there as the one to bring soldiers to God and God to soldiers. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what were you doing um, on the civilian side well, you were the, during those years in the guard. For most of them, I was pastoring. Um, I also served for four years in the Florida Correctional System as a chaplain, uh, and then served for a, was serving as a um, uh, associational worker, uh, doing basically the the business uh, end of things, keeping the books and that kind of thing, um, and pastoring a small mission, a uh, small church at the same time. So um, I had done a lot of different things in ministry, but it was all um, ministry-related, pastoral. Okay. Well, now I want you to spend just a few minutes here looking back uh, over your time as a chaplain. So what would you say was the most physically challenging thing that you've done as a chaplain? I don't know. It, it probably was the three-week rotation at the Jungle Operations course in um, Panama. It was a uh, just an incredible opportunity for a reserve component unit, and it was a, it had to be a modified rotation. We only had three weeks, and the school was longer than that. Um, but somewhere around here, I've got my certificate. They they granted us a graduate status of, of this modified course. Um, I think it's on the far side of that corner. But it was just, Panama is a very mountainous uh, place. You wouldn't expect it to be as hilly as it is. Uh, and of course, triple canopy, rainforest, it just incredibly hot and humid. Uh, the, the end of the first week, I was talking to the commander, and we were kind of patting ourselves on the back. Man, we've had zero heat injuries. I mean, us Florida boys got this thing going. We shouldn't have opened our mouths because the second <laughs> we we were dropping we they were dropping like flies. I was stopping every fifteen to twenty minutes to hide behind a tree for a few seconds because I was just shoving water down. Uh, but it was a great training experience. Uh, I never sweated so much in my life. Carried so many things, you know, all the rope work and everything that was required. It was just a very very challenging course physically. I think more so because of the location than anything else. Um, deployment to Iraq was also physically challenging because of the heat. One day I walked out behind the talk. We had a thermometer set up back there. It literally said 150 degrees. I think it was probably not accurate, but it was it was stinking hot. Wow. And you know, you mentioned the uh, going to that school in Panama, and and I think that's one of the the neat things about being a chaplain is. You get to go where your people are. Absolutely. So, you know, they're out there in the heat and the humidity, and you get to go out there with them. Mm -hmm. And yes, it stinks and it's hot, but 
What's what incredible ministry opportunities arise oh, out yeah. of those moments? That that's I, earlier. I think I used the phrase building witnessing relationships, and really that is how that happens. To me, the um, the war story that best illustrates this was we were doing a 12-mile ruck march with my light infantry battalion, and um, I was out there rucking with the guys, and we sat down for a break to change our socks and drink a little water, and one of the soldiers said, hey, chaplain, I got a question. And when a soldier walks up to a chaplain and says, I got a question, get ready, because this is not going to be simple like how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. And it just, it gave me the opportunity to share Christ with that soldier, and eventually he did pray to receive Christ. Um, it's just, really, that, that ministry of presence speaks volumes. When we were in um, Miami, we'd been down there about two and a half weeks, and, uh, you know, living communally in, in the, what was it called, the Miami-Dade Youth Fair or something like there this huge facility, basically gargantuan warehouse, uh, corrugated steel building, and lined with cots. Every unit had its little area in there, and one of the soldiers said, "Chaplain, how come you are not going crazy like the rest of us?" And I didn't tell him it's because I was crazy to start with, but we, <laughs> you know, I just said, "Let me share with you what God does for me in situations like this." And again, I just had the opportunity to zero in on a deeper issue than what the soldier realized his issue was. Yeah. Uh, to do real ministry. Yeah. And active duty or reserve component, every chaplain has those stories. If he's been out there with the soldiers and embracing the same horrible conditions as they have or, you know, plodding along with them as a road march to whatever, that's, that's what builds the bridges. Absolutely. Well, what was the most spiritually challenging thing that you've done or, or you've encountered as a chaplain? Wow. Gosh. I wrote down three words with question marks, deployment, combat, and counseling. And all three of those things can be spiritually challenging um, in, in very different ways. I mean, clearly in combat, you're dealing with questions of mortality and uh, uh, how do you deal with people who are injured or killed? How do you help the unit if that happens? I mean, just some real serious questions. But by the same token, just the stresses and strains of being deployed, for example, as I was to Romania for five months. Big whoop. Jennifer's in Heidelberg. I'm in Romania. She even flew to... Um, Bucharest one weekend. We got a 72-hour pass, and I met her in there, and we kind of did a little quickie tour of Romania. And yet, being separated for any length of time is challenging for a family, uh, with kids or without. Um, and it's, it's challenging for us spiritually. Unfortunately, I knew a, a chaplain in uh, Iraq who had an affair, and it destroyed his marriage. Uh, and it, it's just so painful. You, you just don't know how to respond in those situations. Um, and, and in counseling, as people pour out these incredibly painful, uh, challenging struggles that they're working through, and you know, what on earth do I have to offer for them? Um, 
whether it happens to me or to others, I really think the most spiritually challenging thing is whatever causes me to lean more on me than on Christ. Um, and unfortunately, there are literally infinite number of things that can trick us into forgetting and to uh, trusting ourselves and, and not being guided by the Holy Spirit and leaning on God's wisdom. So, I don't know what the most spiritually challenging thing I've done as a chaplain is, but I suspect it's, uh, it's happened many, many times over, and sometimes I ride the wave, man. I'm hanging ten, and sometimes I'm very glad that I've got a strap on to keep the board attached to me because it's somewhere else, and I'm drinking a lot of salt water. <laughs> well, I think it's very relevant what you mentioned there about the uh, about separation and how that can be a spiritually challenging thing, even if it's not to a combat yeah, zone. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a lot of what our soldiers are facing right now are like these regionally aligned forces missions sure. where they're not in the news every day as mm -hmm. if it were in a war zone, but they're still gone for three yeah. months, for six months, for mm -hmm. nine months at a time yeah. away from their family. Sure. And that is definitely a spiritually challenging for chaplains, for soldiers. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's very relevant to what, what our military is facing right now. Yeah. Well, sir, what was your toughest day or event that you've encountered in the chaplaincy? I'm struggling with how to talk about this because it involves my wife and a, a medical diagnosis. And I don't, she hasn't really said, yes, feel free to talk to people about this. But she has received a really challenging uh, medical diagnosis and uh, I, I guess my my feelings of just utter helplessness I can't do anything to change her situation um, just be with her through it and uh, it's a uh, as I'm ending my career and we're looking toward purchasing a retirement home and, and where will that be, and what am I going to do when I leave the Army, and all those questions. Uh, now there's this really serious layer thrown on top of that, and so that has really been a tough event for me. Um, surprisingly, the one that I think most people would say would have been tough is that I have been uh, non-select for promotion five times now. Oh, wow. Uh, and my mandatory removal date is the September of 17, when I've hit... Um, 20 years of service and age 61. And I have bounced up and down, back and forth on that one. Obviously, everybody would like to progress, would like to be granted greater levels of responsibility and new new challenges and that kind of thing. Um, but then at other times I think, why in heaven's name would I want to become an administrator when I can be a pastor? Um, so it's that has been challenging, but really far less so than I think people would have thought. Well, and, and I appreciate you uh, being honest and, sh and sharing about uh, what's going on with your family, because I think a lot of times people think of the chaplain and life's all together, you know, 
spiritual life in order. We've got the answers to the questions, and the truth is, my we're halo's just, pinching here. I'm sorry. We're just trying to figure it out, yeah. like everybody else is, sure. and and relying on God's grace to sustain us through. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, sir, what would you say was your most rewarding day or event in the chaplaincy? It's a cop-out, but really they've all been rewarding. Um, it's not like I can point to one thing and say that was just the best thing that ever happened to me because so much great stuff has happened to me. Um, I've been affirmed in so many ways. Uh, I've, I've been assigned challenges and had great successes and uh, great failures. <laughs> um, every single day when I'm actually able to be an intentional minister of the gospel in this context is a great day. It's, it's rewarding. Um, you know, I think back on all the places that I have served. Uh, I joked about when I was the uh, plans and operations for Three Court, Fort Hood, how they'd lock me in my little office with my sipper and, and I'd spend the day in there and come out whether, you know, see whether or not the sun was out or it had already gotten dark or whatever. And for those who don't know, sipper is the, the Army's secret network that you can't send classified information over a normal computer. Sipper is what allows you to communicate that information without it getting out. Right. So uh, I can look back at everything I have done in the chaplaincy and know that uh, A, I have been where God wanted me, and B, I've been faithful whether or not I've been overly effective is irrelevant um, because I know that when I leave, I leave being able to say I have done what God called me to do and done it to the best of my ability. Um, I've learned and most importantly I've made some wonderful connections. Uh, there's an old joke in the army that the two best places in the army are the post you just left and the post you're headed to next. Uh, and in some sense that's true because when you're headed somewhere, it's just a new adventure. Life is exciting. Oh boy, I'm going someplace new. Or in our case, I'm going back to someplace I've already been. Um, but by the, by the same token, I have found that literally every place I've been assigned, I have loved. Um, either something about the post that I especially liked, something about the people that I've served with that has just really clicked for me, the ministry that I've been able to do, everywhere I have been, I've come away with positive memories from this uh, great adventure that I've been having. <sighs> you, there was something that you mentioned there. Um, you mentioned failure, which we are in an organization that often is not very accepting of failure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's kind of the culture that we operate in. What has been helpful for you in being able to continue on in this uh, vocation that God has called you to, even where sometimes uh, it has felt like there's been failure? 
I guess I have to put it in perspective. Um, has anybody died because of my failures? No. Um, has anybody apostatized or turned away from the faith because of my failures? No. Um, have I broken up anybody's marriage? No. So the failures on the grand scheme of things really ain't that big a deal. Did I uh, miss a suspense? Yeah, I've done that once or twice. Welcome to the real world. Um, did I make the corrections that were required when I made a mistake? I certainly tried to. Um, so not getting stuff right, I guess it's like the old saying, just don't sweat the small stuff. Did you learn from it? Then it wasn't a wasted experience. Um, did you... Um, did you give it your dead-level best effort, or were you just kind of slacking off? If you can say that I was working at this, I was doing the best thinking I knew how to do, I communicated as clearly as I could, and somehow the communication didn't happen, then, okay, learn you know better those communication skills, but don't beat yourself up over it. Um, I am fortunate that I didn't have a failure like the one that I mentioned earlier with this friend of mine whose marriage was destroyed in combat. Um, I'm grateful that God protected me from my own foolishness in a lot of ways. But uh, I think as long as a chaplain is focusing on being a responsible, intentional servant of our God, we are going to be protected from our own worst offenses against ourselves. Uh, it, it's only when we think too highly of ourselves that we put ourselves in risk of, of a catastrophic failure. Hmm. Um, you know, I, sometimes I think I just, I didn't get it, I wasn't smart enough, fast enough, strong enough, whatever enough for the Army. And other times I think, no, I can look back at every post that I've been at, and a great deal of my service was uh, resource management. Um, and no, none of my uh, funds clerks went to jail. I was never investigated, never had to write a check, never had any kind of negative paperwork um, because I knew my job and I did my job. Um, was I as competent or capable as a... Uh, Syracuse University Master of Business Administration chaplain? Probably not, but I didn't have their job either. I wasn't doing what they were doing. Actually, the first time in resource management I was, I was the regional resource manager for Korea, and generally it was one of the Syracuse guys who was doing the regional job. But, um, you know, it's... I, I can't, it's just that perspective kind of thing. If you're if you're simply seeking earnestly and honestly to serve God with a pure conscience, you probably won't put yourself in a situation where your your failures are going to be catastrophic. And I, and I think uh, there are chaplains or, or maybe people who are considering the chaplaincy who would find that encouraging because uh, a lot of times what you hear about chaplains or chaplains as you might hear about there, 
they might be involved in the more hua stuff, you mm-hmm. know. And there's and there's chaplains out there doing great things who God has equipped and called uh, for those roles. Sure. But there are many chaplains out there doing great things, doing resource management and enabling other chaplains to do these fantastic things. Sure, sure. And, and so I, I think that is very helpful, sir. You know, it, every now and then a thought actually flits through my brain here, and uh, I just realized that a great deal of my perspective has been that I'm sort of the the guy behind the curtain, you know, and, and while the world says pay no attention to that guy behind the curtain, um, the dials that I turn, the buttons that I push, and the handles that I pull all are enablers for ministry, even in a plans and operations arena. Um, what I do has the potential to set a chaplain up to make an, an indelible impression or a, a permanent difference in a soldier's life. And I don't mind being a support guy. You know, I'm not going to break my arm patting myself on my back, but uh, there's something about the willingness to be a servant that truly does make a difference. And in fact, if you don't have that, you will find the chaplaincy a very difficult struggle uh, very frustrating at times, uh, and you will endanger yourself of feeling like nobody appreciates me. Um, what I'm one of the things that's absorbing a lot of my time right now in the plans and ops world is the emergency operations aspect of ministry, and I spend a lot of time in the crisis management center. So, in the event of a real emergency, I will be locked in that building while I'm making sure that Chaplain Smacker and Chaplain Walker are able to lead the actual ministry response to events. Now, wouldn't it be cool to be out there while the wind's still blowing, ministering to soldiers and having the PAO take your picture and say, our chaplains are really at it? Yeah, that would be cool, but I don't care. That's not the important thing. The important thing is that some chaplain is out there, and chances are that chaplain wouldn't be there if I weren't stuck in the CMC making the phone calls and that kind of thing. So I don't mind being a support guy. Uh, I've been a deputy pretty much most of my career. I've been assigned as a deputy something or other. And I always tell my bosses, my goal, my job, is to make you shine. And I've always tried to live up to that. Yeah, and, and that's very good because I think you know that that's good for us as chaplains to remember because it's easy to to want that desire to have that desire to get out in front of the camera or to see that and maybe be a little bit jealous but then you sit back and you remember that behind the scenes there's somebody working their tail off to enable that ministry make Mm -hmm. sure that uh, that everything is happening as it should so that chaplain can do ministry Mm -hmm. well sir what have you loved most in your years of being a chaplain (sighs) connecting with soldiers Um, I would come home from a drill weekend with the National Guard and tell Jennifer some of the unbelievably boneheaded, idiotic things that my soldiers had done in the month before this drill. Not soldiers. Not soldiers. No, they don't do that sort of thing. And then, in almost the same breath, I would talk about something heroic or earth-shattering or phenomenal that soldiers had done. And she would say, are you talking about the same people? And I would laugh and say, yes, I am. These guys, they were so human. And I have always loved that about the Army. 
that soldiers will just knock your socks off. Now, they'll drive like idiots, they'll say the stupidest stuff, they'll embarrass you to death, and then they will turn around and do something utterly wonderful. And I've always loved that about the Army. That's fantastic. Well, sir, having been around the, the military culture and around the chaplaincy for a while, uh, I'm sure you've seen many new chaplains <laughs> come, come in and cross your path. What advice would you give to a new chaplain who's just starting out in this ministry? <sighs> well, I think the recurring theme in all of our conversations is it's, it, it's just make sure you remember why you are here. If you are here to be the servant of the Most High God, you're in the right place at the right time. Um, I mean, I've actually told chaplains, if you can do anything else in the world and feel happy, do it. Don't get into chaplaincy if you're not just absolutely convinced that you got to do this or die. Uh, because thank God that there are chaplains out there who know that I have got to do this or I will die. And they do tremendous things for the kingdom, for soldiers, and for themselves. Uh, so my advice would be, don't let anything take your eyes off of who you're who you're serving. Uh, I'm trying to put this in sort of generic terms. I mean, I'm never ever take your eyes off Christ is what we would say as Christians, uh, because if you shift your gaze anywhere else, you are not on solid ground. And it's exactly the same for any chaplain, no matter what your faith group or endorser. If you take your eyes off of that one huge spiritual reason that you're here, you will get distracted and you will walk into a wall. There are a lot of distractions out there. Sad but true. Well, sir, what do you see are the biggest challenges facing the chaplaincy as we look into the future? Now I'm beginning to sound like an old guy, but our culture is changing. And some of the traditional old values are being recast in, in some new ways. And I fear that we run the risk societally of tossing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, I am not primitivist. I don't believe we have to go back to walking everywhere we go and wearing robes. Um, but I do think that we need to make sure that everything we do is founded in the gospel. Um, and I will speak as a Christian because I just I don't see any other worldview that can give us a consistent solid footing. Um, we are in danger as a society of becoming so me-oriented and so LCD screen led that we just we can't be humans and interact with humans. We, we can be avatars and interact with other avatars, but conversation is... I mean, who writes a letter anymore? Most people don't know what a stamp is. Um, I, I think our greatest danger really is that we'll just get so carried away by our techno-revolution that we will lose our souls. And that's going to impact the Army, because we've, we've talked about 
how a chaplain can be a chaplain and how we can do any good whatsoever, and that's only if we are God's representatives. I've heard chaplains say it, and I, I think I agree with them, that we're not spiritual. Our emphasis isn't spiritual. Our emphasis is religious. It's God. Everybody has a spiritual component. They can all bring it bring that. The one thing that we do that nobody else in the army does is we talk God. We talk religion. We talk a component of faith. And the further we wander from that, the the thinner the ice becomes beneath us. We have got to be very, very intentional about remembering that we bring God to soldiers and soldiers to God. And oh, by the way, if you don't know God, how are you going to bring him to a soldier? So your personal relationship with, with God is simply the starting line. If that ain't there, you're pointing the wrong direction on the track. So how do you think that that intentionality as a chaplain in, um, in recognizing your purpose is to be that, that member of the clergy, that religious person representing uh, you know, your denomination, representing God in, in your formations, how do you think that helps push back against that very me-centered orientation that's becoming so dominant? Well, to put it again in very Christian terms, it's because we're, we're doing that Philip thing where we say, we found the Messiah, and when people say, what, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You say... Just come and see. As long as we're redirecting people's attention to God, um, irrespective of our faith tradition, I think, but certainly I speak this from a tradition, a Christian tradition, if we are pointing people to God, that is the corrective to any misorientation, whether it's me or society or wealth or whatever. It's, it is the one stable, unchangeable thing to which we can lash everything else. And if it's not lashed to it, it's getting spun off in the wind. Uh, yes, and I think that's so helpful what you just said because our society, our, our world changes so fast with new technologies, new... I'm a millennial, so social media, all that's big, mm -hmm. and there's, there's just new stuff all the time trying to pull our attention. And, sure. and maybe one of the things that we as chaplains bring to the fight, if you will, is to try and help our soldiers move their eyes off of their screens and towards the heavens. Absolutely, yes. Um, can we use technology in our fight? You betcha. Uh, and I'm grateful for people like Chaplain Stice in the Chief's Office who's intentionally trying to drive communication uh, and uh, leverage every resource we can leverage to not only tell our story, but tell God's story. Um, but never, ever let that become our primary focus or we have slap missed the boat. Absolutely. Well, sir... I just want to thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Uh, I'm here with Chaplain Jacobs, and I really appreciate you sitting down and talking with me, sharing some of your story. Uh, I know that it will be of interest to many people, especially uh, sharing some of that uh, support perspective that we often don't get to hear about. So thank you very much for your time. I greatly You're appreciate very it. Uh, 
Uh, I appreciate what you are doing, Caleb, and uh, hope you enjoy this uh, project for a very long time to come. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to Chaplin Stories. Uh, you can find Chaplin Stories on iTunes, you can find it on SoundCloud, and now also on TuneIn. So you can just go to those applications and search for Chaplin Stories and you can find it there. If you like what you hear, subscribe. And if you could, do us a favor and share it with your friends and your family and get the word out because we want more people to to know a little bit about what it is chaplains do in the military and how that they are helping our soldiers get their eyes off their screens and towards the heavens. And we'll look forward to another chaplain story in the very near future.